My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Christ is risen. In today's reading from the book of Acts, Saints Paul and Barnabas and the rest of their crew, they go into the synagogue in Antioch in Pisidia. And they go on the Sabbath day. We have to remember that early on in the history of the church, the early Christians worshipped in the synagogue on Saturday because the first Christians were all Jews. They did this because they understood Jesus not only, excuse me, not as necessarily founding a new religion, but rather that he had fulfilled or had filled up to overflowing all of the promises given to them by God as laid out in what came to be the Old Testament scriptures, what they would have referred to as the law and the prophets. And we see this even earlier in the book of Acts where Saints Peter and John go to the temple to pray. So they are still considering themselves to be faithful Jews. But then they would also go meet on Sundays where they would continue to pray, hear reading from scriptures, sing hymns, as well as celebrate Holy Communion as well as having a meal together. And then later on, especially once the Christians were kicked out of the synagogues, because they were, then they start to meet primarily on Sundays. But Sunday has always been considered to be the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection, the day of worship, which is why Sundays is when they would have the Eucharist or Holy Communion. And it's interesting when we heard the reading from Revelation begin two weeks ago, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So his vision is given to him as he's worshiping on the day of resurrection. Christ appears to him in this context. And this is why St. Paul would have been asked to speak in the synagogue because as he would tell his readers in another epistle, he was educated by one of the most prominent Pharisees of his day. He was well versed in the Torah and commanded a wide range of knowledge, including philosophy as well. And this is why, quote, after the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you would have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So St. Paul uses this opportunity to do just that. And it is worth noting how he does this. He begins by including them in the promises made to Abraham. And if we remember Genesis, God says that Abraham, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And St. Paul does something interesting here. He refers to the gathered people there in the synagogue at Antioch of Pisidia as sons of the family of Abraham, that to whom had been given the message of salvation. He's including his non-Christian Jewish listeners as those who have been entrusted with this message. And this is very much in line with what Jesus said to the woman of the well when he said to her, salvation is of the Jews. So far, so good if you were one of the people sitting there listening. They would know exactly what it is that he's referring to. And it's not part of the reading today, but earlier on in the, the, the exhortation that he's giving in the synagogue, he talks about Moses and David and some other people as well. But then he takes it in a direction they did not expect. 
He says that those who lived in Jerusalem and the rulers of Jerusalem did not recognize Jesus. And he also gives a reason for why they did not understand and recognize who Jesus is. Because St. Paul notes that they did not understand the message of the prophets. Even though the prophets are read to them and explained and expounded upon every Sabbath day. In other words, those that knew the scriptures the best, those who were most familiar with the scriptures, those who had large swaths of scripture committed to memory, did not recognize who Jesus was, nor did they heed his message. And we see this everywhere in the Gospels. Jesus talks a lot about those having eyes to see and ears to hear. By resisting Jesus and by delivering Jesus up to Pilate to be crucified, they wind up inadvertently fulfilling the very message of the prophets that they themselves do not understand. It's funny how God works that way sometimes. I think actually that's the way it works all of the time with God. As 1 Corinthians 2.8 reminds us, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, the evil spiritual powers that animate the evil temporal powers of this age, if they had known just what would have resulted from the death of Christ, they never would have had him crucified. And he notes that Jesus was executed in his sermon here, and he was taken down from the cross. And he notes this because he understands that they would not have removed him from the cross unless he was truly dead. And then he stresses this, and then he stresses that he was laid in the tomb. That death has appeared to have the final say. The people of Jerusalem and the rulers seem to have had the final say. He was truly dead. He did not swoon on the cross. He, didn't, he wasn't knocked unconscious on the cross. And then in spite of all of his injuries, that would have, they were able to kind of slowly nurse him back to health. And then he was like, hey, everybody, I didn't really die. I was just play acting or I fainted. God had the final say by raising him from the dead. And then St. Paul says the proof of this is found by those who were there. Those who witnessed it. And also the people who witnessed his appearance to them post Resurrection, And we heard about that, uh, I think, it last, uh, last week where we talked about the story of Jesus meeting the disciples uh, while they were fishing in the lake. But he also appears to other people. St. Paul notes that he appeared to James and other people. And they have all gone on to tell everyone they can what Jesus is, who he is, and what he has done. And St. Paul here locates God's fulfilling of the promises made not only to Abraham, but to all of the patriarchs and prophets and kings and, and God the Father raising his son Jesus Christ from the dead. And then what he does is he takes the Psalms as scriptural evidence as to the truth of what he has been teaching them in the synagogue that morning. He quotes Psalm 2.7, Isaiah 55.3, and Psalm 16.10. The first reference, you are my son, today I have begotten thee. This is likely a reference to Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. Because what happens? The Spirit descends upon him, and the voice of the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And there's, at the mountain of transfiguration, the Father also says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. 
The Isaiah citation means that Jesus is the one in whom the promises belonging to David are fulfilled, the eternal kingdom. And then the last citation from the Psalms is a reference to Jesus' resurrection because his Messiahship is confirmed by this because his father David died and saw corruption. But Jesus rose from the dead. Right? So you have Jesus fulfilling not only the, prophes uh, the prophecies to Abraham, the, the promises to Abraham, but also Jesus fulfilling in himself the promises laid out to David. And the promise of the Messiah to come. And then he ends this selection by saying, The reason why all of this is accomplished in Jesus is because the law of Moses is unable to free us from what we needed to be free from. Now this is an interesting linguistic choice. And I use this word free because in the Bible that I generally use when I'm reading and studying, I usually use the ESV or the RSV CE2. Say um, they say that that says Jesus freed us, but in the version you heard today, it, it used the the word that Jesus justifies us, and 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 I think that that within the idea of justification, which is an idea we see throughout the Pauline epistles, is the idea that Jesus has freed us. Saint Paul himself says we have been freed from the law of sin and death. And this is indeed good news that God's eternal purposes have been fulfilled and in, and in and through the Messiah and all can place their faith in him and be faithful to him and become recipients of the promises made to Abraham, the prophets, and to David. To be justified is to be free. So I think a few things that we need to learn from this is... is that the purposes of God will be accomplished. And it will be accomplished in ways that we do not expect. It's no secret <laughs> that uh, I'm a big uh, fan of the literary works of, uh, of J.R.R. Tolkien. And in a book that was published way after his death, it's it's called the Silmarillion. And in the book, in the Silmarillion, what it is, is sort of his son basically after he died edited a whole bunch of different things that he had written over the years and kind of compiled it all together into a narrative of sorts. And so it, the very first part of the book kind of reads like the Old Testament. In it, you know, the God, he, he is creating the world through, you know, his angelic messengers that he's created. And the way that God does this in the story is he has them all sing. And as they sing, as they sing out this, this beautiful melody, God uses that to cause all things to spring into being. But there's this one devil-like figure in there who wants to sing his own song. And so he starts to sing his own song with this discordant note that starts to mess up the harmony and the melody of what the other ones are singing. And then eventually that causes, you know chaos and, and what's being created and eventually God actually stands up off the throne and addresses this one guy himself and says there's nothing that you can do everything that you're trying to do on your own you will still prove to be my instrument in other words everything that you are sowing over here everything this discordant note that's causing all of this chaos and what we're trying to do here what we're trying to create I'm going to take all of that 
And I'm still going to accomplish the purposes that I intend with what I'm doing over here. You will still prove to be my servant, my instrument. Everything that you are doing for yourself, I will take that and bring it back to myself. And this is what our God does. And I love that picture of that story because that's a picture of the Christian story. That all of these discordant notes that people are singing, God says, I will take all of those discordant notes and I will still accomplish my purposes through those things. And it's interesting that we've replaced the law of Moses with the law of, I guess, let's call it hedonism. The law of Moses, well, let's say this. The law of Moses was unable to free them from sin. In fact, it made them, St. Paul notes, more conscious of sin. And the harder they tried to fulfill the law, the more they see how difficult it is to actually keep. That's part of the problem of the law, is that the law cannot justify us in the sight of God. And so instead of trying to justify ourselves now in the sight of God, we try to justify ourselves before ourselves. We turn to, instead of the Mosaic Law, we turn to things that are going to free us. We cling to things that we believe will bring us true freedom. And we can generally lay these things out. We don't need five books. We can lay these out as three things. As money, as sex, and as power. We live as if indulgence in all of these three have no consequences. We live as if, as if the misuse of money has no consequences for us. We live as if the misuse of God's good gift of, of sex, if that, if that has no consequence for us. We live as if the indulgence of the pursuit of power has no consequence for us. Because ultimately for many people, the God that we are serving is ourselves. People are no longer worshiping gods of wood and stone that represent the demonic that they're actually in worship of. People now worship themselves. And they serve themselves to try to liberate themselves. And they cannot do it. You will not be justified by following the works of the flesh. You can tell the president to call me later. <laughs> if anybody's listening to the podcast, it was just a, a phone call in the background. Just roll with it. And a baby. <laughs> but brothers and sisters, the only thing that can bring us true freedom, the only thing that can justify us, is what God has done in his son, Jesus Christ. And even today, there are religious leaders who do not understand this. There are religious leaders who should know the scriptures. Who should know what the scriptures say. Who should know what the scriptures testify to. Who don't understand 
and who sometimes will work opposite towards what the scriptures are saying. Because we think that God has either moved beyond the scriptures or we think that the scriptures are just meant for that time and we're in this time now so we can interpret them however we want according to whatever secular ideology reigns supreme in our culture at that time. And the scriptures are not our justification for indulging in everything they tell us to stay away from and warn us against. Because we think that in serving ourselves, we can find true freedom. But true justification comes only through Jesus Christ. And this is good news. Because it means for us that we don't have to try to earn God's love. That we don't have to try to earn God's favor. That God already loves us and calls us into union with himself through the gift of his son. That in his son we can be free from all of the things that we do that we think are going to bring us true freedom. But our own religious leaders at time do not understand. And many of our religious leaders nowadays, just like the leaders in Jerusalem, the religious leaders, just as they came against the message of Jesus and resisted Jesus, so too do they reject the life Jesus instructed us to live. And that is cause for me and should be cause for all of us for sadness. All of that to say, brothers and sisters, is that in Christ, we find our true life. As we come to worship him, as we come to eat at his table, as we come to hear his word, as we come to sing to him and to worship him, let us never forget that we are to seek to understand and that when we read the scriptures and when we hear the scriptures read to us and when we sing praises to him, that we do not harden our hearts and resist him as many of our forefathers have done and as many of people who claim to serve him still too to this day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion's Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, Zion'sStoneUCC.com. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.